But Father, we just rest in your presence today. God, we're thankful for who you are. We're thankful for your presence. We're thankful for your goodness. God, we're, we're, we're open to what you want to do inside of this place, but also inside of us. Lord, may, may we walk in this place ready to, to be not just informed, but transformed. That God, you are still living and breathing. You are still alive. You are still miracle working in us. And we just, we wanna take a moment to recognize that, recognize your authority in that. Come expectant and ready for you to speak to us today. God, you move. Do what you need to do. This is your home. This is your house. We ask you to be with us today in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody shout amen. Amen, amen. Give God one last hand clap of praise in this place. And then you may be seated. Welcome uh, to Rise Church uh, again. And we're so glad that everybody is here. And uh, if you are here with us for the very first time, if you're a guest with us, we're so honored that you made it out today and and, uh, that you're with us. On behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors, we're so glad that you're with us. If you are a guest with us, I always invite our guests to come back at least three times. Everybody say three times. And uh, the reason we do that is because we want you to get the full experience at Rise. Sometimes when you come first, one time or two times, you don't really know. My hope would be that you would find it and you would find a spiritual family here today. And that's what we're going to talk about, funny enough. And we're in the middle of a series called Vision. And uh, we're talking about what is God's what is God's vision for growing people? And ultimately, what is God's vision for growing our church? What's our next steps? What is God doing in this place? And we need to know what it is. And last week we talked about the four steps that God uses to grow people. And we, we kind of highlighted and landed on the first step because you can't do two, three, and four without doing one. And if we do one, we get one right. And one was God's desire is for everybody to start out with a fresh relationship with him. And um, I look at it kind of like this, and please don't mishear me. Um, I, I believe you give your life to Jesus one time, and that settles it for eternity. But I think every day we need to wake up and have a moment with God. Say, God, today I'm not going to live for me. I'm going to live for you. Every day I got to I gotta make that decision. And... Uh, and God starts off with this knowing God moment where you, you move from death to life, from dark to light, where you, 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 you enter into a relationship with him. And we talked about all the environments that our church creates and what we wanna do on the weekend to create that environment for somebody to know God. And if you don't know God in here, that is our goal on the weekend. I'm just gonna tell you right off the bat. My goal is not for you to have a good time. My goal is not for you to laugh at my jokes. My goal is for you to enter into relationship with Jesus Christ. Your relationship with him will change your world. And uh, we're kind of unashamed about that. But today we get to talk about step two and and we're gonna read it here in Exodus chapter six. I brought this series, this uh, verse up last weekend. And, We'll read it together. He said, therefore, the Israelites, I'm the Lord and I will bring you out. Everybody say, I'll bring you out. Come on, that's step one is I'm, gonna, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna allow you to not know me anymore. We're gonna be in relationships with each other. And he says, I'm gonna free you. Everybody say, I free you. So I'm gonna free you from being slaves to them. And number three, I'm gonna redeem you. Everybody say, I'll redeem you. Yeah, he said, I'm gonna redeem you with an outstretched arm. And then number four, his fourth step was verse seven. He says, I'm gonna take you as my own. So take you as my own. Yeah, yeah, he says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you 
my people by giving you an opportunity to make a difference. And last week we talked about this. And so I had a table that uh, we never even actually showed. It's kind of a grid that you can kind of get an idea of really the four steps. I'm going to bring you out free you from bringing slaves to them. I'll redeem you and I'm going to take you as my own people. We talked about last week the four cups that even the Jewish people now celebrate every year during Passover. They read or they drink these four cups of wine, the cup of sanctification, the cup of deliverance, the cup of redemption, the cup of praise. And so our language and how we use that is lost people saved, saved people freed, free people developed, developed people mobilized. And so our method for that, really the method on how we actually grow people here and how we do it at Rise is we call it knowing God. We want you to find family. We want you to develop purpose and make a difference. And then our strategy for you to accomplish those things, to know God is the weekend services, for you to find families, community, for you to develop your purposes, our steps ministry, and number four, for you to make a difference is our, our Rise teams. Today, we're going to focus in on step two. We're going to focus in on step two. How, how, do, you, how do you find family? Why should you find family? Why is finding family the, one of the most critical steps that you and I could take? That's what we're going to talk about today. So let's pray. Father, God, I'm just so grateful to be in the house of God. And Holy Spirit, you do what you can do. Clear our minds and open our hearts. Help us to rest in the good work of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen 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 well i um isn't it true that um i was thinking about this the other day i'm like isn't it true that you can be saved but not always act like it like are, is anybody else like me where like you 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 have a relationship with god and you're saved you're 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 sanctified you're 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 in a relationship with christ but you you get bumped or pushed in the wrong way and something else comes out other than God. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I call it the BC version of yourself, right? This is the before Christ version of your, does anybody, is anybody familiar with that version of yourself? Like pretty regularly, right? And what's funny is that, you know, the Bible talks a lot about it because the Bible talks about like, you know, you want to die daily, put your, f- put your flesh to death. I would call that, you can call it flesh or the BC version. There's always something in you that's dying to come out because by nature of who we are, we don't drift towards God. We drift away from him. We don't drift more holy. We drift less holy. I mean, that's just who we are. It's kind of how we are created. And so because you and I need God and need a savior and we need a friend in Jesus who can connect us to our father and, you know, saves us from our sin. It's just amazing to me as a pastor, I'll see people get saved, but then the, the, that, that moment lasts for just a moment, but then you have like a lifetime of trying to figure this thing out, you know? And, and so um, from time to time, it can pop out. I don't know if it pops out for you, but it, it, it does for me. I'll give you an example. The, the, other, the other day, I was thinking about, uh, about a few years ago. Um, it was like during the height of the COVID season. And, um, I, you know, back in the day, I don't, you know, some of y'all don't remember this, but, you know, back in the day, you ever think about like what, what it was like to live in 2020? I mean, it was crazy. This was a wild time. And some of y'all are like, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to ever remember it ever again. But I'm going to remind you of what it was like because it was kind of wild. You went to the stores and you couldn't talk to anybody. You know, you had to wear masks and you, you had to be six feet away from everybody. And, you, you know, you couldn't, you, you had to be in these weird kind of lines. And, and it was odd. Everybody was kind of afraid of everybody. You didn't really know what to do. And so it was an odd time and an odd 
season, and 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 I, I was um, at that time going to a store to buy a tool. And back in the day, back during those times, they they would put these stickers on the ground that said "Stand here," you know. So they were trying to help people because it was like we were all six years old. Y'all remember that, right? The government treated us like we were six. Like, hey, remember to wash your hands. You know, when you cough, cover your mouth. Right? Stand in a straight line. It was like we're five, you know we're five. So it was like okay. And so um, they used to put these stickers on the ground like you don't know how to stand six feet away from each other. So we're just gonna make it dummy proof. So we're gonna put a sticker right there, six feet, another six feet. You're gonna stand right there. You're gonna stand right there. So I'm standing in line, ready to buy this tool, and and I'm standing in there, and I I was talking to somebody who's over there, and I know I wasn't supposed to talk to me, but I'm a relational person, so I'm talking to someone over there, and I wasn't paying attention because my foot was halfway on the sticker dot and halfway off. So I'm standing right here, and I'm talking over here, and the cash register had to been 20 feet away from me. She's like over there, and she looks over at my sticker that's on the ground where my foot is and where my foot isn't, and she leans over. She leans over the counter to scream at me in front of everybody. So one, I'm embarrassed, right? I'm like, I'm, she's screaming, and she's like, sir. I'm like, yes, you know, and she said it in a way, can I just say, she said it real fresh mouth, like, you know what I'm saying? She re- she had an attitude, and I'm like, you better watch how you say, better watch how you say something to me, you know what I'm saying? She, she, you, you be careful what you say, and so she's leaning over the counter, and she's like, sir, you need to sit on that, stand on that sticker, and I'm like, I am standing on the sticker. She goes, no, you got one foot off the sticker. I said, how am I supposed to, t- the sticker's really tiny. So how am I supposed to put both my feet on the sticker? I'm standing on the sticker. She goes, you need to stand on the sticker. I said, I am standing on the sticker. I'm arguing with this lady in the middle of the line. I'm not even at the line. The lady over there, there's people all around. I'm like, I don't even care. You're wrong. I'm standing on the sticker. She goes, you're not standing on the sticker. I'm like, stand on the sticker. Go tell me to stand on the sticker. Go get your manager. Come say it to my face, you know? And I realized, like, in that moment, like, this is not good because I'm like, I'm a pastor in the city. I'm a church going to be embarrassed. Like, that's all I need is the news. Be like, local pastor gets dragged out of the tool store because he wouldn't stand on the sticker. You know, I'll be up here embarrassed in front of you guys. Like, yeah, was that you, pastor? Yes, that was me. So I don't even wear our church shirts at, around anymore. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I wear other churches' shirts. I'm just kidding. Not really. But, um, but I walked out of there thinking, like, you know, like, it only took something small to make me go back to the before Christ, Aaron. It took something so little. I'm like, how could that be? I got saved. I remember I got saved. I saved when I was 12 years old and was at a church service. And I remember giving my life to Christ. And the funny thing that didn't happen is it didn't, I didn't go to heaven. The moment I did that, I still was here. And then I realized, like, I started having these interactions with people, and I love Jesus, but, you know, don't get it twisted. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'll get into a fight over a sticker, you know? And I realized, like, that's not good because there's, there's stuff, there's sin inside of me. It's like, how can I be saved from the sin but still have sin in me? And the children of Israel had the same kind of conundrum. They, they were no longer slaves. They were no longer in Egypt. They were no longer under oppression. They were, they were no longer a nation without laws. They were no longer a nation without a God. They were none of those things. They, they, they had been given freedom, but they did not know how to live in that freedom. And, and they might have been out of Egypt, but Egypt was still in them.
And that, that is a lesson for us because we could be delivered from hell. But man, how many of y'all just seem to run into that every once in a while? Y'all run into some hell every once in a while? And it comes up out of you. And, and, and God had to teach free people to be free. Because they didn't know how to be free from their past that was holding them down. And so many Christian people nowadays, you have salvation. But you're not free. And you still carry baggage, right? From the last place you were or the last relationship you were in or the last time someone offended you or the last time some. And it only takes a little bump that feels familiar. That's the familiar bump, right? Right? I met people who won't go to church because of their last church experience. And I remind them of their last church experience because I'm a pastor. And so we already have an awkward relationship because I'm not even paying for my sins. I'm paying for the sins of the last guy who messed with you. What is that? You still love Jesus. You're still going to heaven. You're still sanctified. What is that? That's baggage. That's freedom that we don't attain because we haven't worked it out of ourselves yet. The second cup was a cup of deliverance for a reason, which means it was designed to remind you of God's power to deliver you from your bondage. That's internal, not just external. And the worst thing that I think you could do is just get saved. And then stay in your spiritual bondage. And so God gives us a step to say, hey, I love you so much. You don't have to stay where you are. So like now that I got you out of Egypt and you're in the promised land, now we're going to learn how to be a nation. Now we're going to learn how to be a, it really what it was, we're going to teach you how to move from slave to son. From worker, come on, to family. And, 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 and so a good way, maybe an easier way to think about it is, your cup of sanctification was an instant moment. You know, you and I, we have an instant moment with God. Happens quick. Ephesians chapter 2, God saved you by his grace. Period, period, period. You were not saved by your works. There's nothing you can do. For all those of you who feel really, really good about like when you go to this church and you're like, well, I'm more saved today. That biblically and theologically is inaccurate. You didn't come in here to get saved. Again and again and again. I, like when youth ministry, we used to have youth ministry, Pastor Jason, your family ministries. We had that same people where you, 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 you'd give the altar call and have somebody raise their hand. And that same kid would raise his hand every single time. And he's like, I got to get saved every week, Pastor, because I just got to get saved. Because I just I'm like, okay, okay. I'm, I'm like, we'll still walk you through it. But like you realize, like I just believe God, God, God already loves you. He saved you. You accepted it. That was a free gift. That happened instantly. But then you have this thing where it's a cup of deliverance, which is now a process. Everybody say, process and you and I are going to every day have to get up and say God today I got you gotta get some of that Egypt out of me because I'm gonna be standing on the dot and somebody's gonna get fresh mouth and talk outside of their neck and give me a good reason to say I won't like give me a reason like they're gonna do you live in San Antonio right they're gonna give you a reason to become the worst version of yourself and the only way to get around that is not to suppress it. It's actually to get free from it. And so God calls it a cup of deliverance. Paul says in Philippians, you have to work hard. So there's a, there's a work to this. There's a work to this. And I believe your work is truly this. It's not to know God. That's first step. Step, second step. Your work is to find family. Because you really only get deliverance from when you find community. 
And a lot of us are really good at calling God like, oh, I wish you just free me from this. And God's saying, like, I gave you a lot of people to help you free you from this. I really, I hope, I hope I'm praying with you that you would look, move from looking up to looking out to who can be in your life that could give you freedom. Now, how, how do we do that at Rise? How do we help people find family? The way we do that is um, through a strategy we call, we, we say we want to create relational environments where people can experience family. So, so we, we believe in family so much that we don't care just about the weekend. So last weekend, we talked about the weekend. We said the weekend's important. The weekend's really important. Why is the weekend important? To accomplish step one for people to know God. But you can't just leave people with knowing God because then you have a church full of babies. We're really good at birthing babies in the, in the kingdom. And we want to be really, really good at that. But if nobody matures past birth, come on. We got a lot of Christian babies. By definition, immature Christians who don't know anything about God and have still issues inside of their heart that need to be freed from. And the only way you do that is you move into step two, which is really the, come on, the, the, the ability for us to find family and to find relational environments so that you can find family. So as a church, we don't care just about the weekend. We want to create environments for you to find family, for you to get free. So when I tell you something about you need to get connected in a small group or you need to get connected in a team or you need to sit, move from rows to circles, it's not because I want you to go do another thing just so I can write out, you know, I, I can put a metric somewhere. It's so that you can actually go and accomplish what God has for you in your life. They all build on each other. And there's some of you in here who've gotten stuck at this step. And you keep trying to do your purpose, but you keep running back into your past. You keep trying to make a difference, but you keep getting stuck back in your past. This is a critical step, and it's maybe the most vulnerable because you got to be real with somebody. Like, you can actually do step one and know no one. You can walk in here, get saved, and walk out. Be like, deuces, I'm good. And you know what's funny? You, you are good. I'm going to see you in heaven. That's going to be great. But you're probably going to have some hell on earth. And God didn't die just for you to do, just for you to have a, like a fast pass into heaven. He wanted you to have heaven on earth. Jesus used this weird statement a lot when he was on the, he said the kingdom of heaven is like. What he wasn't doing is he wasn't saying like, look, for all of us going to heaven. <laughs> and for those of you who aren't, this was going to be like. He wasn't giving you an Instagram shot of heaven to go like, check it out. What he was doing, he was saying, actually, you know, let me just tell you what it's like in heaven because you can have that here. That's the whole point. You realize that. He's wanting you to see the way the kingdom works, the way God wants you to see and, and have things. And so for us as a church, we care about the weekend, but we also care about relational environments for you to connect. And so as we grow bigger, we have to also grow smaller. Side note, because I hear this a lot. Um, this, this is a typical thing I hear. I ask somebody why they like the church. And they'll say, Pastor, we love the church. I'm like, man, that's so awesome. And they never say my preaching, and that's fine. But I ask them, why do you like the church? And they say, <laughs> they say well, because we came from a big church, and we like your church because it's smaller. And like, check this out. When we were at our last church, when they got big, Man, they changed. Pastor changed. Church changed. When they got big, kind of messed with our secret sauce. They changed them. The bigness changed them. And just so you know, 
that ain't real. Here's why. Big is like money. It doesn't do anything to, anything to the person. It just makes you more of who you are. And so if a pastor didn't care about people when it was small, guess what happens when the, when the church gets big? Pastors don't care about people. Just gives them more freedom to be who he already is. If the church didn't care about the outside world when they were small, if you get bigger, it just makes you more of who you are. The size was not what changed the pastor. The pastor was always the pastor. The church was always the church. It just gave them the ability to be who they are. So we getting this right right now, getting vision right right now is incredibly important. And by most standards, we're actually not that small of a church. We were kind of average five, 600 people on a weekend. And the only reason we can't grow any more bigger is because we're out of space. You saw our parking lot. So be praying for a building. Come on, somebody. So it's not size. It's the heart. It's the vision. If you don't feel it now, you ain't going to feel it then. Y'all hear what I'm saying? So, so if that's true, then, then we need to know what kind of environments we at Rise create for you to connect and to find family. What kind of environments do we create? Let me give you four environments. Number one, we, give, we, we, we create environments with biblical methods. So just so you know, everything that we do is done through a biblical lens. We don't do it because we think it's a good idea. Like that's, that's the dumbest way to run a church, to be quite honest with you. We run out of ideas really quick and they mostly don't work. I'm not a self-help guru. I teach the Bible. So we have Bible groups. We do groups that have biblical methods, which means we, we here's, here's what's really cool about that, which means there are all kinds of methods. And some of us are so married to our own meth, like method and way we do church. Some of us, we come in here, we come into church, we're like, we should do church like this. We should do groups like this. We should do teams like this. We should do missions and outreach like this. And it always comes from the last church that you left that you didn't like. You ever notice that? <laughs> like you left that church. I thought you didn't like it, but you want to bring that over here. Like that ain't going to happen. And so that, but that's how we are because that's what we know. And so I would say be open to having different methods inside of your relationship with God. Because this step, you're going to find an environment that might not do what you think it does. Because like I'll say groups. Let's just say groups. This is funny. Me and Pastor Jason deal with this a lot. Like some people come in and they want to do a group. They'll go to a group and then they'll come back and they'll say something like, man, all we did was hang out. We read one Bible verse and then we ate the whole time. And I'm like, that sounds like an amazing small group. I wish all small groups were exactly that. Like, well, you know, I wanted to pull out my guitar and I wanted to sing, you know, like a hymn that I created by myself in my room in my basement of my mom's house. Like, uh, no. And so you thought a group was supposed to be a certain way, right? Right? And then you walked into it and you actually realized, wow, a group can be something different. And all I'm saying is be open to it being different because my Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there are a variety of ministries, but the same God. That there's all kinds of people that do God moves in different ways and different times and different strategies and different places. I like it. Rick Warren says it like this. He says uh, all kinds of places. He says all kinds of churches for all kinds of people. It's so true. It frees me up to think that everybody needs to go to our church. Did you know that? Everybody doesn't need to go to our church. I think everybody should go to church. Like a Bible-believing gospel-preaching, grace-driven, life-giving church. I think everybody should go to that church. But I don't think everybody should come to our church. Actually, a lot of people don't fit in our church. You want me to give you some examples? Like, if you're a super religious person, I'm pretty antagonistic to you. 
I'm just being honest. They don't tend to stick around very long. <laughs> you don't preach. I'm like, I don't. I know. Isn't that crazy? They're like, and they, they can't handle it. They does not compute. They need the person to scream and yell about hell all the time. I'm like, sorry, I don't do that. Sorry. I believe in it. It's all good. I get it. It's, hell's hot. And eternity's a long time. I get it. But I'm pretty sure they know that. So let's move on to what we actually need to do to keep us from it. How about that? How about that? How about talking about Jesus? So not everybody fits in our church. That's okay. But there are some churches for that. And I ain't a hater. May the Lord bless you and keep you. <laughs> but we want environments for people. Come on, have biblical methods. My Bible says we can do it a lot of different ways. So just give you a simple grid that we do with, here at our church that we, we, for all of our like groups or teams. Or, well, here's what we want you to do. So if you wanted to do a group here, you know, one of the things we try to do is we tell you, like, here's what we just have ESPN. It's kind of a little, little acronym that we use. So the um, first one is encouragement. Encouragement. We want you to, if you feel like you go to a group, we want you to feel encouraged. Like, we want you to actually go in and feel encouraged. Number two, we want you to have some scripture. Like, use a Bible verse. Like, just come in and just say something about the Bible. And, like, it doesn't need to be a deep Bible theolog- theologian's description on the Bible verse. You know, like I, we have people, I mean, I'm just telling you, like if you're a person in here and you like groups, you're like, man, no groups, we got to get deep. Like we got to go deep. We got to deep, deep, deep. I'm like, okay, that's fine. We can maybe have a group for that. But some groups just might pull out the message version from what they saw on Facebook. But it's the Bible. And then you talked about it and you had it from the Bible. Why? Because it's God's word. I just, I'm sorry. I'm crazy enough to think that God's word can be delivered in multiple different ways. That it's powerful. That it doesn't need you or me to make it powerful. Number three, we have some type of prayer. You know, I was really, I'm really in this world right now for me, thinking about like what, what kind of um, getting people to pray um, simpler so they'll do it. So I think a lot of us don't pray because we, we've overcomplicated prayer. And some of you are good prayers, so pray that way. If you have that gift, Pastor Jason can pray for two hours publicly. I've seen him do it. It's amazing. I need like a napkin and a, like an outline of what I'm going to go. He's gifted in that. But not everybody's gifted in that. And you're going to have to learn your way of prayer at the base level of just communicating with God. And so in your group or in your team or in your connecting moment where you're, you're finding your family, you should pray. There should be some prayer in that. And it could be like, Lord, help us enjoy this good food because I love it. Amen. But you've acknowledged the goodness of God and his blessing in your life. You've acknowledged that you are not, it's not a, a right that you sit in this room. You're, it's not, we have, no, we have no rights in the kingdom. We have responsibilities in the kingdom. If I got what I deserved, I wouldn't be sitting here. You're just acknowledging that God's too good for you not to say something to him. I've been, I had this weird, um, so this morning, I don't know if y'all like me. I wake up and my first thing is I reach for my phone. Can I just have a general, like confession moment? That's not, that's not good. I reach for my phone, and I'm trying to see how many people are, you know, mad at me today. So I just, you know, whatever. And, and today I woke up, and I reached for my phone, and I used my other hand, and I slapped my hand away. No. Not today. I'm not going to reach that phone. No. Flesh, no. And I leaned up. I did that, you know, 
I did the the Undertaker thing where you lean up, you know, from the bed. I sat on the side of the bed. I just put my hands out. This, this sounds so stupid. This is gonna be so stupid to y'all. This, this is why I did. this is my prayer. This morning. Y'all know my prayer this morning. This is my prayer. This is for you religious people. I pray. So I pray. So I sitting on the bed as a pastor. This is my pastoral prayer this morning. Lord, I thank you for today. I woke up. Thank you for my children. Thank you for my wife. For the church that you've allowed me to steward. I don't know if anybody's going to show up. But I'll preach to one. I can preach to a million. Amen. That was it. And I think if we could get to the realness of prayers in our life, they can actually be powerful. Number four is this, and this is the final one. Next steps. I think every group should have the ability to lead someone to their next step. The goal is not the group. The goal is to figure out your next step out of the group. Because sometimes we can get into a group and be like, that the group is now our thing. That's the thing that's holding you together, not God. And that's never what it was designed to do. Because why? Because the group's full of people. And people are pretty good at letting you down. Have you ever noticed that? Pretty good at it. I add a last one. It's not in our official manual handbook. I add F, which is for food, because I think food should be in everything. So that's just my opinion. It's not in our book, but I added it because I'm the pastor. So number two. Uh, number two. So environments are biblical methods. Number two, environments where people can be secure. Um, what, because you're human, we all desire security. We all desire security. There's a great verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 where he talks about two are better than one and like a three-braided cord, three braided cord is not easily broken. All, he's really, all Solomon is really saying is giving you some wisdom to know that like if you're planning on going through life, the worst thing you can do is do it alone. And that if you want strength, strength is found in numbers, right? We all know that like strength is found in numbers. One is better than two. Two is better than three. We know that, but we don't always live our life like that. And sometimes when you don't live your life like that, you're setting yourself up for potential failure. You can get hurt. You are putting yourself in danger. I was watching the Discovery Channel uh, just recently, and I was watching the, uh, like, there's this thing on lions and zebras. It was interesting. And, you know, they always have, like, a really good narrator, right? They always have, like, a really good narrator. It's always, like, you know, like, uh, like Morgan Freeman or, you know, somebody with, like, a really good voice. I'm like, that guy, he could read the dictionary, and I would just be so fascinated by it. And this is amazing. And it's like this British guy who's talking, and he's like, you know, the African savannah lions are stalking their prey. As the zebras are grazing upon the grass, watch as they're majestic. Y'all see what I'm saying, right? So like, I'm like, this is amazing. I don't even know what he's saying, but he's saying it in British, and it sounds great. And he got to one part where he said, when the, when the zebras are all clumped up together, it confuses the lion's eyesight. That their lines, the lines on the zebras confuse them. They can't tell if there's one or a million or one giant one. And they wait until one drifts off. And then they see it and they're like, yep, mm-hmm dinner that's like my favorite part of the whole thing when they go and they eat them like I'm waiting for it to happen you know what I'm saying anybody else favorite part other than that I was heckled in the first service they were like boo 
save the zebras. I'm like, there's probably plenty of zebras in the world, all right? Let's let the lions eat. So anyway, they're like watching the zebra go off. And as soon as the zebra cub breaks off, what happens? The lion chases. And I think sometimes in life, what's funny is, is we could break off real easy. If we're not careful, you don't know that. You don't know this. You don't know this because what you think is normal about breaking off and you're like, oh, I don't need to be around them. I don't need community. I don't need family. I don't need church. I don't need people. I don't need it. And then the Satan's just going, yep, that's great. That's so good. Because when you buy yourself, you're easy to take off. You just got to be careful. So the goal is you need to find your people. Like you need to find, security is found in when you find your people, like your peeps, right? Like the people, like my, my crew. And here at Rise, we provide a lot of environments for you to do that. Like groups are, are one way to do that. Teams are another way people serve and get around and get connected with other people. Steps, our steps ministry, our next steps, and our, our, our lead steps, and our faith steps. Those are all classes that are designed to get you to your next step to hopefully help you find family. Missions and outreach, that's another group that we have here that we meet on a regular basis to go serve people outside of our church. I mean, if you want to get connected, there's a bunch of environments to do that. But you got to take the step to do it. you got to step into family. You can't step away from it. Amen? Number three, environments where people are healed. We're talking about healing physically and mentally and emotionally and relationally and spiritually. Like there's healing found in relational environments. You need to know that. James chapter five says, confess your sins to each other and pray that each other, uh, to each, for each other so that you may be healed. He didn't say confess your sins to God before that. He said confess your sins to God for your salvation. But you confess your sins to each other for your healing. Stop asking God to heal you of things that are going on in your life when he's given you people to help you heal you with the things that are going on in your life. So Jesus doesn't stand on this earth anymore physically, right? Right? Yeah. Like, it's not a trick question. Jesus is not physically here. But he puts his followers here, his representatives here, the people who speak for him here, the people who should love like him here, the people who follow him here, who've given their lives for him here. Come on, like there are people in your life to be Jesus to you. You just got to let them in. And the key is, the, here's the key. The key is found in confession. When you are able to get out of you what's inside of you, then we can help get that healed. Because nothing good grows in the dark. You keep it in you, come on. That's where it festers. That's where it gets messed up. That's where you start to get weird about Y'all know how people, you know, you ever met the weird Christian? Y'all know, y'all, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like the weird ones that talk funny, act funny, make everything weird. And then they meet people and they're like, man, if that's God, God, that, I don't want to mess with that. God's kind of weird. Like God ain't weird. That person's weird. He made God weird. God ain't weird. And so they might live in their mother's basement hanging out all day long on blogs all day, but that, that, ain't, that ain't God. That ain't Christianity. And so you need to get some healing from people who are actually your people. But it comes from confession, which by the way, if you're married in here, this is for you. This is just side thought for you. If you're married in here, your marriage needs to be the most safe place for your spouse to confess to you when they've done something wrong. If your husband comes to you and tells you he did something wrong, he sinned, he made a mistake, he did, please don't be the wife that makes him feel terrible beyond what he's already feeling. Don't press on it. Don't be like, well, I told you. Don't call your mom. Hello. Don't blast him on Facebook. If your wife comes to you 
and she confesses her sin. She made a mistake. Don't be the guy that says, yeah, you, next time you should have listened to me. You're creating unsafe environments for confession. We just told you the best thing you can do for healing is confession. So if they come to you and they say, hey, can I share with you something that I'm afraid to share with you with? You, you, the first thing that come out of your mouth is, honey, it's okay. It's going to be okay. We're going to be all right. It's going to be okay. We're going to work this out. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. We're going to make it right. Well, you don't understand, Pastor. It's sin. Okay, let, then let's work it out. Let's figure it out. But don't make it about you and him. Don't make it about you and her. It's got to be, you guys got to be united together. Confession's a key. You got to make it safe. Why? Why? Why do you do that? So there can be healing. So there can be healing. Number four is this, and I'm done. The last one, environments where people can grow. I like Proverbs 27. Some of y'all probably have this as a tattoo. Or, you know, you, 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 you've tweeted this or reposted it on Facebook or Instagram. Um, as iron sharpens iron, as Proverbs 27, what? A friend sharpens a friend. That, that, that we want to create environments where people can actually grow. Where you don't just hang out. But you grow. And I believe this. Your potential growth is always on the other side of people in your life. You can reach some potential by yourself, but I'm just telling you, you need somebody. You need some people to reach your real potential. I'm just telling you, that's how you were designed. That's how you were made. So people are like, man, we love this church. Pastor, you're great. This is awesome. I'm like, dude, I'm a turtle on a fence post. I got a lot of good people who are propping me up. Because if you knew, if this was just me, I wouldn't come to that church. We need people to get to our potential. I have this funny video, and I'm going to set it up before I show it to you. I, uh, when I was 20 years old, I used to weigh 325 pounds. So I was very unhealthy. And most of my life, I've dealt with weight and, and, and weight issues and didn't know how to deal with it. And it's been hard. It's been most of my life. I've always, I was, anytime I sit down and I eat something, you know, it's like I don't weigh 325 pounds, but there's a 325-pound Aaron in me that wants to keep eating the pizza that, that's right there. Y'all know? Right? Anybody else struggle with that meat? I'm like, man, that looks really good. I really, I know I would, that, that tastes good. And um, so I struggle with weight my whole life. And, and my whole life, I, so I lost 125 pounds. And then when I, so I started getting healthier, but I could never do a pull-up ever in my life. And I'd get on the bar and I'd hang and I'd go, I can never get past that. Okay. And what I never told anybody was, I, I, I just wanted to do one, one time in my life. I, I know it's silly. I know this is dumb. just wanted to do one. So I'd go to the gym and when nobody was looking, and sometimes I'd go at times where like nobody was there and I'd just walk up to the bar and I'd, I'd so hard. And I got really good in the routine of going to the gym by myself. And I uh, just never could do it. And so this year I joined a CrossFit. I did like a CrossFit gym. And I'm not saying this is not like a it's not like a public service announcement to join CrossFit, okay? I don't care what you do. I'm just saying for me, I joined someplace that had people and community. And, um, and every time I walk in that place, it's funny. Like, 
one of the reasons I like it is because I don't make any of the workouts and I don't think about anything. I just go in there and do the work and then leave as fast as possible. Right? I just want to get out of there because I'm like, if I listen, if I hear longer enough, the coach is going to start saying, all right, you want to do another one? Like, no, I want to get out of here. So I'm trying to move. And uh, I go in there and they make me do things I would never do by myself. Ever. Like, ever do by myself. And so the other day on Monday, I was, um, I was in the gym and we were working out and, and the workout had a pull out, pull up in it. And normally when they have a pull up in the workout, I'll put a band on there or I'll do assisted pull ups or do some type of get a box and just kind of, you know, just help myself out, you know, whatever I need to do. And the coach was like, listen, you should just try to do one. I'm like, listen, man, I'm like 17 years. I stared at a bar. You don't, you don't know what you're asking me. 17 years I stared at a bar. I can't do one. He goes, no, I think you should, I think you should at least try. Just do one. I'll help you. You know, maybe just, just see if you can just do one without, you know, any of the bands. I'm like, no. And he goes, just do it. Nobody's looking. I'm like, everybody's looking. What are you talking about? Like, everybody's around. And he's like, he's like, just, just try it. Just try it. Just try it. And, um, and I don't know what it was. He's just like, Encouraging me and pushing me. He's like, you could do it, PA, you could do it. You know, he knows I'm a pastor, so I can't cuss in the gym. And so it's <laughs> stuff, you know, so he's just like, all right. And so I, I go up to the bar, you know. And uh, so I'll, I'll, show, I'll, show you, I'll show you a vision. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh. See, y'all hear, some of y'all are like, was that Bobby Brown playing in the back? Yeah, yes. <laughs> we hood at our CrossFit gym. So, um, but like, so like, why do I show you that? I don't show you that because like, I'm great. I did one. But like, I stood at a bar for 17 years. And my potential was staring at the bar for 17 years by myself. And oh, by the way, I did 12 that day. I did 12. I didn't think I could do what? And, and I told, um, I texted the coach later. I said, I didn't do that. Because he, he sent me the video. That was him. He's videotaping me. I said, I didn't do that, dot, dot, dot. And I did all caps. I said, we did that. We did that. And so some of you in here have been staring at a bar. Things that you can't do. Places you can't go. Celebrations you can't have. Because you've been doing it all by yourself. And all I'm saying to you is on behalf of your potential and your future, will you, will you just get some people around you that will tell you, you can do it. You, yeah, you can. You should get up on that bar. Yeah, you should do it. Yeah, you can do more than you think. Absolutely. And get you around environments where you're growing. And they'll be like, do you, you, you want me to do what? You want me to go to church again? Like, you want me to stay not one service? I got to stay one service and then serve another service because that's what you do? That sounds crazy. All right, but I'll do it because you're doing it. Y'all see what I'm saying? Like, you want me to stay in my marriage? You're telling me, I want to run from my marriage. I'm trying to get out of my marriage. And you tell me I got to stay in my marriage? And you're going to pray with me? And then you're going to help me? And you're going to help me do 
you? Like, you don't know my kids. You don't know about my kids. My kids are crazy. My kids are crazy. And you're telling me I got to keep believing in them and praying over them. And you give me this book about them and I'm trying to help me with them. And then you're going to watch them for me so I can go have a date night. Like, that's amazing. Like, Y'all see what I'm talking about. There, there is potential in your life if you just get around community and you find family. Because that's what we want for you and for your family. I'm going to close with this thought. There's a, um, there's a family in our church who, uh, man, they were sharing with us their, their story, their testimony of what it was like to get into a life-giving church, into a church that is not about community, not about clubs, but about community. And they, they wanted to share it with you. So I thought I'd share this video and then I'll come up and I'll close. Um, check this out. We have a long history of attending various styles, churches, uh, if you name it, we've been there. But it was missing something. And, and what, it's, what it was missing was something that was family. We kind of left our last church, and, and uh, I'll be honest, I did that typical thing where I, I'm just kind of done with church and didn't really want to go. But, but Kim, being ever faithful as she is, uh, she, started, she started listening to uh, Pastor Aaron. Yeah. I said, what is this Rice Church about? So I looked it up, saw that there were podcasts, and I thought, well, this is a safe way to try things out. Listened to a couple, told Terry, hey, I think I think I found I think I found our place. Well, she had found her place. <laughs> I was still doing that difficult thing where I was I, I just was not interested in doing church again. So I was very comfortable sitting at home while Kim continued to listen to Pastor Aaron. I finally gave in and uh, we, I, we came on a Christmas, Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve service uh, three years ago. The dreaded thing that shall remain unnamed hit us and uh, I got real comfortable sitting in my house. You know, using that same excuse, uh, well, we'll watch it on Tuesday. Well, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here in my comfy clothes, <laughs> you know, and I'll watch, I'll watch this from the house and, uh, and one week became two weeks and three weeks became three months and three months became a year and 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 finally we just kind of felt this this tug to come back it's so cliche but the thing is is that it's the truth it it happens as soon as you hit that parking lot and and you we would be greeted in such a special way at that parking lot and and then all the way up i i make people laugh by saying it but you're gonna say good morning at least 30 times before you hit that door. And it's not because it's something that's it's required. It's, it's that we're genuinely happy to see that person. Wait till you come in to see our family. We love this place. We love these people and they love us. And uh, there is nothing like this family, nothing. I have never experienced the level of family and love in a church that we've found here. From the pastor down to children, children that, that Kim takes care of on the weekends in, in, the, in the children's ministry, they come up to her and she'll cry. She'll cry at home. She's like, oh, such and such talk to me. And, and uh, it's just, she, you can see it. She's, she's about to cry right now uh, because there's such a feeling of family in this church. This is home. This is home. Yeah, I think um, if you're looking to take a step, two environments that are easy for you to take a step right now, 
okay? Two quick environments. These are just write this in your calendar. We have a next steps that are coming up. Um, in in uh, I think we have them on the uh, so next steps coming up November fifth and December third. Okay, so you're like we want to find family, then you need to get in this class. Period. Period. Next steps coming up. If you can't do next steps or one of these dates, then you need to find family in another class we have, or actually in this environment we call we call new family dinner. And new family dinner is the the next new family dinner is going to be in November 17th. Here's what this is for. This is not for if you've been here for like four years and you're like, oh, I want to go get some dinner. That's not what this is for. This is for those of you who have been here maybe in the last six months. You're new to the church. You've never connected, and you want to get connected. You need to get up signed up for this this event. You need to come. And you need to be a part. This is, is, this is you getting Egypt out of you so you can find your family. And my hope for you is that you would have the story. You'd be on a video one day telling your story about how God changed your life in family.